Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcasts with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. Everyone, welcome to this week's edition of Late Night Reds Talk. We are excited to be here talking about our beloved Red Legs as they had a one nothing extra innings Jesse Winker walk-off victory today. That's the good news. Sonny Gray pitches a gem of seven innings. That's the good news. There is some bad news, and we'll get to that later. Uh, but first, we get to that. Let's go ahead and introduce the panel. Uh, you know, starting with the Mister Statistics himself, Nick Kirby. Nick. Thank you so much for filling in last week. You did a hell of a job hosting, man. So I really appreciate your work. Yeah, thanks. It's a lot more uh, nervous than I thought, you know, doing the host duties. Uh, you have to, like, move the show along. Um, it's definitely <laughs> a lot easier just to be the guy who answers the question. So I'm uh, glad to be back in that chair tonight. Yeah, I'm glad to, I'm glad to fill that role for you, man. I'm glad to do it. <laughs> and, of course, you've heard him on here a couple times talking with us. So we figured we liked him enough. Why not make him part of the panel? Uh, this is Mr. Carlos Guevara. Carlos, man, I'm so happy you're going to be part of the regular team now. And uh, I know we got a lot of fun red stuff to talk about. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me and allowing me to, to join this uh, this little group that we have chatting about the reds. It's fun to be able to you know, just come out here on a weekly basis and, and talk reds baseball. Yes, absolutely. So, Carlos, uh, before we do get into it, I texted you about this earlier, and I, I just had to bring it up. Uh, I'm a sucker for baseball reference. I think a lot of people are who follow this sport. And, of course, you know, now that you were working together, you know, I did a little Carlos Guevara baseball reference search. And I found your 2006 Chattanooga Lookouts team that went 81 and 59 that year. Oh. Man, Why were you guys so loaded? Also, how did Joey lead the team in stolen bases? Excuse me? Joey led the team in stolen bases that year. Oh, that's a trivial question I would have got wrong a hundred times in a row. Yeah, he had 24, Chris Dickerson had 21. Joey had what? 24 stolen bases that year, according to Baseball Reference. No way. I'm going to have to ask him about this. I don't, oh, I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> but golly, man, we were stacked. That, that, year was a, that year was a lot of fun. There were so many big leaguers on there. And, I mean, it was just kind of like, it was almost like old school travel ball, like in high school. Like you knew how good of a team you had, and you were just going to roll up, you know, roll up and, and kick somebody's ass. Like it didn't matter who they put in front of us; we were going to win. We knew we were going to win. That that team was just stacked. It was a whole lot of fun. Yeah, so there's some of the major leaguers who were on that team, like we mentioned: Joey Votto, Chris Dickerson, Homer Bailey, 
Matt Belisle, the pitching staff, Ryan Hannigan. You guys don't you dare forget Paul Giannis. Don't you dare Paul Giannis. Giannis, um, Miguel Perez. I don't know if y'all remember him, but he had a little cup of coffee in the big leagues. Dwayne Wise was on the team? Yeah, D-Wise. Dwayne Wise. Yeah, I mean, there are so many people. Yeah. So if you ever, guys, if anyone out there is listening, ever wants to check out a very interesting 2006 Chattanooga Lookouts, that is a major league roster. Uh, and they were pretty pretty fun, like, if you look at the team. So let's go ahead and go into this current team, guys. So last we talked was right before the Cubs series, obviously. Um, you know, the Reds have a good stand against Chicago. I know they had a big loss yesterday to the White Sox, but they take two out of three from the Cubs and split with the White Sox, Nick. Um, but the big thing, I want to talk about some good vibes when it comes to Joey before we talk about his thumb injury. Career 300 happens, and then Jesse Winker continues to have his very clutch at-bats. And, you know, like again, like I said today, uh, the title of the show, Sonny Gray, seven innings of just excellent baseball. What did you take away from the battles of the battles versus the Chicago teams? Uh, it was a fun series. Um, I don't think the Cubs are very good, but it, it felt like a, a, you know, a really good competitive series, you know. Um, big stretch from the Reds. I mean, you know, five and three may not look super sexy, but when you go five and three against the, the, the Dodgers – the Cubs and the White Sox, I mean, those were three legitimate playoff teams, you know, teams that were, I think everyone, each of those teams had over 35 wins in a 60-game season last year. So, um, big stretch for the Reds, you know, bouncing back from that, that seven-game losing streak. You know, now the Reds have a, a series against the Indians, but then they got the Rockies and Pirates, you know. We, like I said a million times, you never want to count wins, but, you know, hopefully this is a – uh, the Reds are, you know, building a little bit of, I hate the word momentum, but, you know, build a little bit of momentum, you know, going into a, a favorable stretch for them. And hopefully, you know, they can, uh, you know, they're in the race right now, but really, you know, uh, put some pressure back on the uh, uh, the Cardinals and Brewers. Yeah, absolutely. So, Carlos, when you look at this team and the rotation, I know Jeff Hoffman didn't have his best day. Um you know, and obviously a crazy 13 to 12 game Sunday where Tyler Mallet has his first rough outing of the year. What really kind of jumped out to you that you saw that you liked mostly from these Chicago series? Is what we saw from the rotation. Um, you know, I know Mallet didn't have his, his best stuff, but you know, you could tell that he, that he was battling out there. Um, that's always a positive sign because I mean, there's so many pitchers that if, if they don't have it and they're that mid level three, four, five starters that they just kind of just let it implode and let it get worse and worse and worse. And, you know, stats aside, you could just tell he was just out there competing. He was upset. Um, but, you know, other than that, you know, Sonny was amazing today. Um, it looks like he's back. Hopefully we, we keep him healthy all year. Um, Luis Castillo. He's he's coming back, man. He's he's gonna he's gonna have a good strong uh, rest of the year. I, I can tell already. Um, you know, Wade Miley. He's he's Wade Miley. We we know what we're gonna get from him. You know, we can get seven innings of one run run game, or we could get you know five innings of four runs. I mean, we we know that. All we ask is, is, is for some consistency, and hopefully hopefully they can find something that with that with their uh, with the number four guys. 
Got number five yeah, guys, absolutely. sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I think um Yeah, Hoffman's been fine, but I think we kind of I don't know, was it did you guys kind of feel like what we saw at the beginning of the year when he was throwing those good five you know, five inning games? You know, do you, do you guys you know, I'm trying to get like kind of your insight, both of you. Do you feel like that's who he is? Do you feel like it was potential of overachieving? Because like I said, this is the guy who came from Coors Field. So like we don't really know what he can do there because everything's so different in Colorado. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, have, I haven't seen him pitch too much outside of what I've seen so far this year. Um, but, I mean, I almost feel like he'd be better off served in the bullpen, you know, having to throw his fastball a lot less. Um, you know, his, his breaking balls are, are his better pitches. But, I mean, who, who are you going to put in that five slot? It's, it's kind of tough right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can move Antone out of the bullpen. I mean, he's literally. I feel like holding the entire bullpen together right now. Um, I think you just kind of have to, for now, take your your, your lumps from Hoffman. Um, I think if you you know you look at the Statcast numbers, the the fielding independent, whatever peripheral we want to look at, Jeff Hoffman's not you know um, an above average starter. But I think he's a guy that isn't going to, you know, for sure be a guy who's going to get rocked every time out there. I think you'll probably have a couple good starts where he's, you know, maybe a little, you know, luckier or whatever. Um, but you'll have some starts like, you know, we saw yesterday against the White Sox. I think you just kind of have to live with that for right now. They don't have any other options that are are ready. DeLeon clearly isn't better than Hoffman. Um they can't go with a bullpen game because the bullpen's not not deep, at least. Um, I, I know Tony. I, I might say his name wrong. I apologize, Tony Santion. Hopefully, I said I think that it's right. The same, yeah, I, I do the same thing. I, he made his first start tonight for Louisville. I believe he went four innings. Um, he's probably the guy the Reds will be looking at to put in the rotation. Um, um, if, you know, if when he gets up and he, he has some success at Louisville. But I think for right now they're going to ride out Jeff Hoffman as long as they can to where he's not killing them. Um, and I think that's probably the, the best the best strategy is just to, to ride him out for now. Um, um, and, and then if, he, you know, he's just getting you killed so much, then you maybe look at making a move. But I think for right now it's the number five starter. There's worse in the league. Yeah, definitely. So, Nick, I haven't we haven't had a chance to do a show since. Um, you finally got your wish of Nick Senzel playing some infield ball this past week. <laughs> it is possible. It is possible. Um, I, I was told it wasn't possible a couple weeks ago. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm glad to see it. Um, it's just he's so much more valuable if he can play multiple positions. Um, it just makes his team so much more valuable. Um, I'm so excited to see it. I hope they continue to do it. Um, and I hope, I hope just because, you know, um, um, Joey's out, it doesn't mean that they're going to just say, all right, put, put him back in center field. We can move other guys around. Um, um, I'd like to see them keep, keep playing him in the infield. I'm pretty impressed with them lately. Um, I know I talked about this, like our second or third episode, I read for opening day where, you know, you're seeing them like work counts and how good he is at like drawing walks you're really starting to see more and more of like, okay, this is the guy they took, you know, in the first round, let alone number two overall. I, you know, and like, he's, you know, he had a four hit game against the Dodgers today. He has that big hit to move the run to third for Winker to have the walk off, the walk off single. 
Um, I think he's been hitting like 400 the last five or six games that he's played. You know, that's what's splitting time with Tyler Naquin. Um, I think you're really starting to see him coming to his own as a major league player. I mean, we're really talking about a guy who's really yet to play his 162nd major league game. Yeah, I, I, I've seen some positive signs from Sinzel. I, I think we're probably to the point where I think we can safely say, and I, I would gladly be pro- happy to be proven wrong in this, I think we're probably safe to say Nick Sinzel's not going to be a superstar. Um, um, but I, I think he is is developing into a, a quality um, major league player, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, um, I, I think he can maybe be an above-average hitter. Um, I still want to see more. I, I, I see a lot of people say, let's move Sinzel up into the leadoff spot. His career numbers you know, versus right-handed pitching is still pretty rough. Um, um, but he's, he's a, he's a good defender. And if he can play multiple positions, he can be very, very valuable for this team. I just, I don't think we're going to see him, you know, be like a Chris Bryant or, or anything like that. Um, um, I think his, his ceiling right now is maybe like a Jay Bruce, you know, without the power, just kind of a different, you know, way of going about it. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, like I said, like you know, like you said, like a serviceable baseball player, you could do far worse, especially on this team when guys like Castellanos and Winker are hitting so well. Um, there's a lot to be excited about with that team. I know India came back finally, and he played his first couple games since uh, he got hit in the skull, which was scary. Um, but I think I was really, like really blown away with those two guys, especially just how good they are defensively. And there wasn't anything we really necessarily had to worry about. But you can see, like, when Senzel plays second base, he was making some really good plays when India's in there. He fit, played a hell of a defensive game today. Um, I feel like with those guys, it's like kind of really the thing where they've really picked up the best so far in their major league career as they're still continuing to learn how to hit major league pitching. Yeah, yeah, I'd, ag- I'd agree with that. You know, their, their defense is, has been great on a team that um, is not very good defensively. So um, when you can have that, and especially if you have guys that can play, you know, multiple positions um, – um, I think that's that, that that's a, a a big thing, and and each, really the Reds just need Sinzel to be average. If Nick Sinzel can be an average major league player, uh, the Reds will be in good shape with their lineup. Yeah, I agree. So Carlos, we'll bring you back to the conversation here with the unfortunate news: uh, your pal, your good friend Joey Votto, unfortunately fractures his thumb today, which is just a heartbreaker for all of us, obviously. Um, not just as far as like the baseball side of it, but the fact that like we're really seeing him hit the ball so hard and really kind of seeing him like really find himself like in a look like he's getting to a groove again. And, you know, obviously this happens. That's just the worst time possible. Um, but, you know, for you, you know, from a guy who's been around him, you know, I'm sure when you guys were in the minors together, you know, he had some probably minor like hit, hit commitments here and there. I'm sure that was a pain, a rough for him for a guy who just wants to play every day. You know, do you kind of what do you kind of feel like you remember from these times, like when you go through stuff like this? I mean, <clears throat> I haven't gotten a chance to talk to him yet today, but I know he's, you know, he's probably initially going to be really upset, um, really pissed off because he had a he had a game plan for this year. Um, it was it was going so well in the off season. Um, it was a tough off season. You know, can't be around many people, especially in, in Toronto. I mean, those guys. We're on lockdown. 
but you know, so it made it hard for him to train. He could like, I think he could travel maybe to like one other person's home or something like that, just, just to train. And so he got through that and he was so excited spring training. He's like, I'm hitting the ball hard. I'm doing what I want to do. And then, you know, he catches COVID. And so it set him back and he didn't know if he was going to make up a day roster. And then, you know, he ends up making it. And, you know, the first couple of weeks he was, you know, he started off pretty good, and then he's, you know, just kept hitting the ball hard and nothing but positive things. And, you know, he finally gets back into the groove again, and then now this happens. So it's going to be a bummer. So, you know, he's going to have the best attitude here probably by tomorrow. You know, what I got to do to get better? How can I improve anything else? Um, but it's just, it's just tough to be, to miss an entire year because he's always wants to play 162. He knows they're going to give off days, but, more than likely he's still going to get an AB that day. So, you know, to have 160, 162 at the end of the year is something that's really important to him. Um, so it's kind of heartbreaking to see that that's not going to happen. But whenever he comes back, he's going to come back with a vengeance, I promise. So, Nick, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about flexibility on defense with this team, and uh, this is kind of where it's got to be the biggest because there aren't really a whole lot of first-base depth in the organization. Um you know, we've talked about, you know, Mike Moustak is his place in first base in his career. Um, we've talked about the possibility of, you know, we saw Tyler Stevenson play first base for a little bit last night in the blowout against the White Sox. Tucker Barnhart's played about 16 games in first base in his career. So, you know, I guess the good news is that we have some flexibility there for that first base spot in this, but none of those guys necessarily defensively are Joey Votto, especially a game like today where he gets hurt. He has two really good plays at, at, the, at the first base, so... Uh, how do you kind of see this shaking out for the team moving forward? Well, real quick, if I could speak on on uh, on Votto real quick before we move on, um, man, it just it stinks this year because sucks. You know, look at looking at at Votto's like Statcast page. He expect his expected slugging percentage right now is five eighty one in two thousand seventeen. Remember the year he should have won the MVP, finished second. It was five fifty three. So I mean, he's almost thirty points higher with his expected slugging. I feel like the numbers hadn't hadn't caught up with with Joey, but I feel like they right. were going to catch up with him as the summer went on, um, as you know it starts warming up, and and that just really stinks, um, and it, it just it, it's heartbreaking, you know. And you know, I started thinking about Joey the other day when um, um, I said something kind of I tweeted out something interesting to watch was how Votto kind of has a chance to break the Reds' extra base um, hit record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to think Joey probably only has two more years after this year in Cincinnati. Um, it, it's hard to see how the Reds are going to, you know, pick up his option in, um, 2024. Um, so I mean, really, I mean, he's probably only got two more years left in Cincinnati after, after this one, unless they worked out some sort of, you know, deal or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's starting to, I guess, kind of sink in, you know, for me. I'm sure it's, you know, sunk in for Joey. It's like, you know, we're, getting close to that you know like Luis Castillo is going to be here probably longer than Joey Votto you know that's just I don't know it's kind of weird weird um I mean I just wanted to add that on on Joey you know before we talk about the position I think the Reds are equipped for for first base I I think everyone's kind of freaking out the Reds don't have a backup first baseman Mike Moustakas is a backup first baseman like he can play first base like he's done fine when he's been there um He's played enough first base. I don't think that's going to be a problem. 
Um, and as good as Joey has been at the plate, he has not been good defensively. Um, so I, I don't think you're losing anything with Musakis at first base. Um, that should be the move, in my opinion, is playing Moustakas at first base, unless maybe you're playing Tyler Stevenson or you're moving Winker or Castellanos. I just don't see how midseason you're moving Winker or Castellanos because I've heard no discussions of them, you know, getting right. any reps there in spring. It just – that's not something – I don't know if we remember when, when Jay Bruce tried to play first base oh, midseason, God, yeah. how, how, how bad that went. That's kind of how I envision, you know, if you try to put Jesse Winker there. So I think the move, I think the move is you move Mustakis there and, um, then you play, you know, India and Senzel at second and third base, whichever one those two are comfortable at, you know, let them rock, paper, scissors for it. I don't, you know, I think that's the move. Um, and, and then I think you, you know, you, you're going to have, uh, three quality outfielders still with obviously Winker Castellanos. And I think Naquin is deserving of playing every day against right handed pitching. Um, and then I know the, I think the plan was Shogo was going to come back, um, the series after next, but, you know, maybe they, maybe they bump him up to this weekend. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think the Reds are more equipped to it th- than we might think. The one thing they can't do is they can't play Kyle Farmer every day. Yes. Um, he, like, I, I don't understand, like he killed them when he played every day. Um, why was he playing every day? Who was or Musakas when Musakas was out? Like he right. can't play every day. And this isn't third base that he's covering. This is first base that that needs covered. The Reds should be able to do that with a better hitter than Kyle Farmer. No, yeah, no disrespect, Kyle. <laughs> right? Yeah. And like, look, I get it. Like every team has like their twenty-sixth guy, but like, yeah, it's just kind of with like him. He gets opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and you haven't seen him really kind of like necessarily like. I guess is deliver the right word in this circumstance. Like, was that what we'd say here? Because hit? I don't have, yeah, hit. Thank you, Nick. That's the best one. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the thing you know you're supposed to do in baseball is hit. Um, and he hasn't really done a whole lot of that, especially, you know, in LA or here. So I don't know. And maybe it's just like, look, I understand they can't like bring up like an Austin Hendrick yet. So I'm not saying that by any means, but it does kind of feel like it's like, is there no one down there that can take that role better than him? Like, I think the Reds' options that they have now are fine. Like, I think the Reds have enough quality major league players to – I mean, I think the Reds, even with Votto out, I mean, I think the Reds have nine legit major league players when Shogo comes back on the roster. Maybe ten. Like, they're not, you know, playing um, um, a Patrick Kivlihan every day. You know, like, yeah. like, these are all guys that have at least some potential there. You just got to be flexible and move them around. And, and I, I think the Reds are, are equipped for it. Yeah, that's fair. So, you know, Carlos, when you kind of look at this roster now post, you know, without Joey, obviously, which, you know, like we, we've all said, it all sucks, especially like coming off this 300 homer and all the positive vibes we've been having. Like what kind of really, is there anything that jumps out to you more or less concerns you now that he's out of the lineup for a little while? Um, No, I don't think anything really concerns me. I mean, Personally, I'd like to see you know Moose and and Stevenson split time. I, I want to see Stevenson get some regular abs, you know, playing in five games a week. I, I want to see him swing the bat. I mean, we don't really know what he has to offer. We've seen some great, you know, spurts here and there, but I mean, we don't really know. It's it's hard to 
it's hard to hit whenever you play every third, every fourth day. So right. I, I'd like to see this opportunity for him to be there because I mean he is six four, so he's probably the leading candidate. I don't know if there's anybody in the minor leagues, but um, I mean there aren't many six four catchers out there. Yeah, and there's obviously too the trend where like catchers in their later years move the first base. We've seen Joe Mauer do it, Buster Posey. So I don't know. We just kind of get a little quick start on that in this circumstance, or yeah, maybe. I mean. I mean, yeah, Moose can do fine over there, but you know they can put Blandino over there. He does fine, and Tucker. But I mean, those are those are little guys. It's just a lot different throwing to those guys than there is somebody six two, six three. You know, they can move around. I definitely don't think Winker or Castellanos are the option. Um, Winker being the last, cause I don't think oh oh Winker's the most athletic of the bunch. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that the only thing that I would add to that, I'm sorry, real quick is. No. is they definitely shouldn't be taking away starts behind the plate for Tyler to do this. Um, he still needs – like I don't think he's catching enough as it is, but he definitely – whatever plan they have right now, they need to at least still having him catching that many times because from everything I'm seeing, Tyler Stevens is going to be the starting catcher in 2022. Um, so you need to see him catching more. I Tucker Barnard has a $7.5 million option. I don't see any way the Reds are picking that up. Um, so I don't, I, I'm fine with Tyler Stevenson playing first base on the days that he's not going to start. Um, but in terms of, it, it shouldn't be taking away from the games that he's supposed to catch. That's the only thing I want to make sure I add to that. I agree with that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Do you think it's kind of interesting that Castillo's best games have been with? With Steve's behind the plate, or do you think it's mere coincidence? Oh, I think that's a coincidence for sure. Okay. The only reason I ask, because, you know, um, for some reason or another, I found myself listening to a lot of New York, New York, and I don't really care about the Yankees, but they keep talking about the fact that Garrett Cole doesn't have Gary Sanchez catch him. And, like, it's weird because it's the ace that doesn't have their best catcher catch him. So I don't know if it just was something like that or not. Well, I mean, if, if Barnhart hadn't caught him the last – three years or however long he's been sure. you know, being great. And we might be able to have that conversation, but I mean, he's, he's been really, really good with Barnhart. So I think it's just merely, I mean, purely just, just luck. And I mean, but there, there are instances where, you know, pitchers have a hard time throwing to catchers. I, I mean, whenever I was up there, like I love, I love throwing to, to Michael Barrett and, Nick Hunley was the backup catcher, and I threw to him a little bit in in Triple A, and oh my god, I hated throwing to him. Like <laughs> I've never hated throwing to a catcher as much as I throw to him. Nothing on him. I mean, he was a great catcher. He hung around the big leagues for a while. A great guy. I just hated his setup, and I hated his glove. His glove looked like it was a ten-inch glove that was <laughs> so small, and I hated it. But that was my catcher in the big leagues, and that's what I had to deal with. Thanks for joining the chat, Nick Hudley. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's up, man? Yeah. <laughs> um, the only thing I would add to that is I, I agree with Carlos. I, I don't. I think it's probably mostly dumb luck. But I do think it, it is at least enough to say, all right, we shouldn't be saying Castillo or whoever else has to pitch to Tucker Barnhart because I don't think Tucker Barnhart, with some of the numbers – has shown that, like, there's a definite – he has to be the guy catching or our pitching staff's going to fall apart. 
I think there's probably a little of both where, yeah, it's dumb luck, but I also think there's you can't use that as an excuse to, um, you know, play Tucker more if that, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, and if, and if there were two people who could say who they wanted to catch, it would be Gray and Castillo, and that would 100% happen. Bell would play yeah. whoever they wanted to catch. So I don't, I don't think they have an issue throwing to either one. Yeah, that's fair. I was just curious your guys' opinion on that. Um, hey, let's talk about it. Let's have some fun today. Let's let's laugh at Tony Larusa, guys. We've we talked about Vada's thumb injury. We've talked about some bad things. Let's talk about some good fun things today. So first off, how about that top of the tenth when he has his closer on the bases and sends his brother on first base to try to steal on a pitch out, and then his Billy Hamilton strikeout with the game winning run on third. Pretty awesome. Way to go, Tony Larusa! You're really, really developing well to the current major league game. Uh, and then also comes in a presser later and says he doesn't know the rules. I guess and he's like, "Well, now I know." So I think like everyone that's a baseball fan kind of laughed at the idea that Larusa was getting hired to the White Sox, and today kind of showed why. I have despised Tony Larusa for a long Same. time, so Same. seeing that that tenth inning was just was just beautiful today. And and honestly, I'll give LaRusa a pass for not knowing that rule. I didn't know that rule. My thing is how was no one on that coaching staff like, hey Tony, your pitcher right. doesn't have to run. Like you have like video guys, like like how did no one know that? Like that's the thing more so than Tony not knowing that. It's just like what are they doing? You know? That's what like, the that's what coaches for. Yeah, like, like I'm sure Tony's livid. Like, you guys made me look stupid. And, and I, I don't think that one really was as much on Tony. Um, I guess unless he picked his coaching staff, and I guess it's on him. But the thing that I just was, like, well, the steal was, was pretty awful. Like, why are you stealing? Um, you have the go-ahead run on third base with less than two outs. Um, and Billy Hamilton's not going to ground into a double play. But the, the thing that was just mind-blowing was that they pitched to Jesse Winker. Like, with Kyle Farmer on deck and Eugenio Suarez, who I love in the hole, but he's struggling and he's striking out 40% of the time. Like, what are you doing? Like, I was just like, (laughs) okay, great. Like, the game's going to be over. And sure enough, it was over. You know, I I just – thank you, Tony. I didn't didn't get to see the last inning. That's when I started driving back home so I could pick up the kids. And I'm like – Listen on the radio, and you know, listen on the radio, you try to visualize. And I'm like, wait, what? Are the bases loaded? Why isn't Jesse getting walked? <laughs> wait, did I miss something here? Why is Billy Hamilton not bunting? Like, at the very like least, that. try to bunt and get it like a safety squeeze, or even if it is the pitcher, could have been Bartolo Cologne. I'm still bunting if I'm Billy Hamilton. Can't put the ball in play to save his life. Yeah. Well, it's like when like, I was texting you guys earlier today, and I said, uh, LaRusa, I said uh, Billy Hamilton starting in center field. Carlos's text was, thank you, Tony LaRusa. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, I, mean, I yes. heard Billy's a great guy and everything, but holy cow, Tony. That was, thank you. That was, that was one of those, <laughs> those Dusty Baker, he always loved to start the guys in their hometown. Do you, you remember that? Yes. Like, yeah. like if, if, if a player was in their hometown – he was starting every game that series. Like, Dusty loved that stuff. <laughs> That's what Billy played today felt like. <laughs> Did you guys, have you guys ever looked at his, like, uh, numbers since he left Cincinnati? Obviously, we knew he couldn't hit. But he's literally only had 30 stolen bases in the four years he's been away from the Reds. 
How many games? Like he's played over a hundred because he played a full season for the Royals. Wow. But I think a lot of those are defensive replacements, though. I don't know if he had like an actual True. at bat in a lot of those games. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, you can't steal first. I mean, that's uh, Billy Hamilton. You know, I loved him. I thought he was a great personality. He was yeah, such was an easy. He was such an easy guy to root for. But the Cincinnati Reds, like, handling of him is one of the most frustrating things that I've ever seen. Like, I do not understand how after, like, two full seasons of him, you know, his on-base percentage regressing each year, you don't send him down for a couple weeks and say, hey, Billy, like, you've got to be better than this if you want to play every day. Um, I never understood why they just kept running him out here, running him out there, running him out there. And then you look, as soon as he leaves the Reds, he hasn't played more than he played 300 games in 2019. And he's like not even close to a part-time player. Like, yeah, one of the more frustrating handlings of a player. I don't know if they would have been able to make a difference, but just the, just at least trying to, to have him improve always frustrated me that there was never like any sort of like, okay, Billy, here's some accountability. you got to, you know, get on base at least 32% of the time, you know? Yeah, do you remember, like, in 13, there was, that, there was, like, a little stretch where it was, like, when Hamilton would play when they did the September call-up, where him and Derek Robinson would be starting the order. And you are like, what the hell are you doing? He was great in 2013. I mean, like, he, he I mean, only started, like, three three games. He, like, had a five-for-five five game. Um, oh, man, I think we thought, we thought Billy Hamilton was going to be, like, the next superstar. And, you know, he was a nice player. You know, probably would have been fine if he batted ninth every game um, in an American League team, but uh, batting leadoff just <laughs> brutal. I mean, he's the real live version of say, "Hey, Willie Mays Hayes." <laughs> <laughs> For real, every, I mean, great defensively, could run like the wind, but couldn't hit it out of the batting cage. <laughs> you may run like Mays, but you hit like shit. <laughs> It's so funny because you talk about like like thinking he was going to be a superstar. Him and Drew, Drew Stobbs, I always was like, those are my two guys. Like when they were coming up, I was like, watch out. These guys are going to be studs. And obviously I could not be a baseball scout. I I thought Drew Stubbs was a superstar too. Um, Oh my God, man. I I thought he was better than Hamilton. Um, Yes. And, and, you know, Drew was, Drew was good in 2010. Um, I mean, you know, like he had a 105 OPS plus and he played center field. Um, I mean, he had 22 home runs. Like, like he had a really, really good, um, first full season and then just, just fell off a cliff. I think Drew Stubbs feels worse than he was though. Cause I think yeah. if you look at him and then you look at Billy Hamilton, I think you go, yeah, Drew Stubbs really wasn't that bad. <laughs> there was, um, that full year he played for the Rockies. Um, before he got DFA and was kind of bouncing around the league for a few years. I had him in fantasy baseball that year, and he hit, like, 330 at Coors Field and 210 on the road. So, like, I would only keep him on my roster, so when they had home games, I would play him every game, and everyone else I would just sit on my bench. He probably would have had a really nice career if he if he played with the Rockies. You know, I, I think yeah. he would have been a, a really solid center fielder. Like, obviously, he'd cover a ton of ground. Um, he would have hit a ton of home runs. Um, I think he would have, yeah, like, like that's, that's one of those players, like, you know, a lot of, you know, these players' successes, 
who they get drafted by, who they come up with. I think he would have had a really, you know, uh, a really solid career there. I mean, I think he still he still made fifteen million dollars in his, his right. baseball he career. Right. So I, I I'm not feeling sorry for the guy. Yeah. And Nick, I assume you're score watching right now with the Cubs, Brewers, and Cardinals all losing. Yeah, I got them all on all on the screens here. So yeah, that would be a, a very nice nice nightcap. Um, yeah, so I guess let's kind of talk real quick before we get out of here. So we got the, the like I said, the big road trip coming up, uh, three games with the Indians. You got three games with the Pirates and you got a four game set with the Rockies before you come home for the Giants and Brewers. Um, you know, Nick, you said don't count wins, obviously, and you're, you're definitely right. But I think one of the big pluses in this Cleveland series is one, you skip Shane Bieber, who's pitching tonight and that's a big plus for them. And then... You know, the Pirates and Rockies have definitely been – I think the Pirates have definitely been the overachieving team until for the start of the year. And then the Rockies are just a total shit show if you're reading every report that comes out about them every week. So, um, you know, like I said, like you expect a big – you know, a good road trip for the good guys here. But what is the kind of the biggest things you're looking for in these sets? Well, I'm hoping that that they can convince uh, Trevor Story to stay with the the Reds when they when they go to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Just just you know hop on the flight. Come over. You know, let, 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 you know, let's get you out of here, bud. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, how many games is that? Is that ten games? Am I doing my math right? Yep. Yeah. Hold on. I mean, yep, ten. Three, Sorry. Yeah. So I mean, six and four would be great. Like people go, "Oh man, that's that's you got to win eight out of ten. No, one six out of four. That's that's good major league baseball against anyone. So yeah, I mean, I think you know, win six out of ten, maybe you know, win seven out of ten. You know, I think you're feeling pretty good. Um, you know, you got favorable pitching matchups, like you said, no Bieber. Um, they're facing some guy on Sunday in Cleveland that I've never heard of, and you know, I live in Cleveland. I kind of keep tabs on the team, so that's good. I think. Um, and then, you know, I, I can't knock on wood. I can't wait to see this team play in Colorado. Um, <laughs> with the, with the, the way they've been hitting. Oh, man. I, I, Winker and Castellanos in, in, in Colorado. That's a four-game series. Oh, I hope that's as much, much fun as it is in my head. Um, so, yeah, I'm just – I'm hoping they can um, um, they can find ways um, um, to, to, you know, just, just – you know, scratch across some wins, you know, play, play some good baseball. Um, the, the, the real crazy thing is I think it's 17, 17 games in a row in starting a row. Friday, 17 days in a row, and then like 30 out of 31. So uh, obviously the big thing is how's the bullpen going to hold up? Um, um, I'm sure you're going to see a lot of shuffling guys back and forth. Um, but, you know, um you know, hopefully the starters can at least be giving you, you know, get you into the sixth inning a lot. Um, I think that'll be really important for that stretch. Um, and, and then, you know, I think, you know, I worry in my head a lot about is Tyler Naquin going to get enough playing time? I think he has to be playing every day against right hand pitching. When you're playing that many games in a row, you're going to find playing time for everyone. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a, a big stretch for the Reds. Hopefully they can. Um, you know, make up some ground and, and hopefully maybe by the end of that, you know, kind of have a, a grasp on the central. That'd be awesome. They're playing 30 out of 31 days. I'm yeah. Just after to bring you in to ask you what that's like. Oh, that sounds awful. 
<laughs> well, after they've had like 20 off days already this year, like they have two off days this week. I mean, I'm guessing it's just, I'm sure trying to schedule 30 baseball teams to play throughout a year is not easy. So like, you know, someone's got to get screwed and it just happens to be the Reds. So I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's major league baseball, you know, like with the suspensions coming at the Reds, but oh, that, we're talking about that before we leave. Don't you worry. <laughs> I, okay. I have I have pre prepared remarks for that. I I knew you did. <laughs> I knew you did. I know we've only worked together for a couple months, but I, I'm I'm starting to feel like we work together pretty well. Well, I know you're not. <laughs> and I appreciate it. Uh, by the we, way, so far, before we get into the suspension stuff. You talked about the ball at Coors Field. I'm so excited that uh, the All-Star game got moved there. Not for the politics reasons. I understand, like, I'm glad the MLB did what they did. That was awesome. But for the baseball standpoint of this effect of, like, the home run derby at Coors Field, like, yes, please, I'm in. The Reds have to get one guy there, please. Like, I know. you have to give me Castellano. I mean, I love Winker there, but I think Castellano's, he would just be so much fun. Because, like, he would just be hitting these bombs and then, like, be giving you that, like, straight face like he's going to kill you. And <laughs> I, 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 I want that. I want that so bad. I agree. Completely agree. So, let's go ahead and talk about it, guys. Yes, it comes out yesterday right before the uh, first pitch that Amir Garrett has a seven-game suspension after Saturday's issues with Javi Baez where – Amir Garrett got excited, but Javier Baez jumped over the railing in the dugout and, you know, whatever. Baseball finds a way to say that it's Garrett's fault. And maybe he went a little too out of line, but, like, you know, for a guy that was struggling the way he was to get a big strikeout against a guy he's been kind of going, like, had a rivalry with throughout his major league career, I get it. So, Nick, your pre-prepared statements for Amir Garrett's seven-game suspension after Javier Baez has shown flipping him off and being held back by Mike Moustakis. Right now, right. by the way, I'm I'm picturing Nick getting up from his <laughs> from his desk at court with his papers, and he's about to <laughs> let everybody know. Your Honor, if I may, yeah. nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in, in seriousness, I think this is like multi-dimensional. I don't think this is like just like one like this is the way it is, and this is the way it is. You know, I I think there's a lot here. So I think the first thing like, we all got to agree, like what Garrett did was unnecessary. Like he sure. didn't, he didn't need to do that. Like I, I'm not gonna like be out here saying, you know, oh yeah, that's fine to do. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a little above, you know, above and beyond or whatever. But I don't really blame him for that. You know, the guy's been awful. That was a big strikeout of Rizzo. Yes, they were losing, but it's still a big strikeout. It was a one run game. You know, he's an emotional guy. He was trying to pump himself up. I think that making a big deal about what he did in the heat of the moment is kind of silly. Um, at the same time, you can acknowledge it was unnecessary. You know, Amir, let's not do that again. It's not not worth it. Um, you know, I think Bauer actually had a pretty good take on this. You know, I don't know if you guys saw what he put up on his YouTube channel. Um, he said the the Cubs are constantly chirping during the game from the bench, so we don't know what was said. Um, but Bauer literally is just pitched in Chicago this week. I'm assuming that video was after he pitched. So, you know, he has pretty fresh in his mind, you know, the Cubs' yeah. current attitude. So, you know, if the Cubs are chirping during the game, you know, it's kind of like, okay, you know, what what line in the sand are you taking here, you know, Chicago? But the, the main beef is just that they suspended him for seven games. Like, that's ridiculous. You know, I, I think they're, they're setting a really dangerous precedent with that. 
I mean, do they really want to be like the judge and jury for every situation where words are exchanged? You know, like where's the line on this? There's no way you can treat all these situations fairly if you're doing that. And then how are you not going to suspend Baez if you suspend Garrett? You know, like he right. literally jumped over the rail, put his middle finger up in the air. I don't blame Baez for that, but I and I don't think he should be suspended either. I don't think either guy should be suspended. But how can you like say he wasn't at least equally responsible for the benches clearing? You know, like there's no punches thrown, just words exchanged. Just move on. Like it's not the end of the world. Um, maybe throw a little fine out there. I, I don't know. I just think the MLB just hiding behind these COVID protocols. You know, when you have you're having players hang out before the games, you have full capacity stadiums in places. Like, let's stop hiding behind the the COVID protocols. And then lastly, my biggest issue of it all is Capera of the Cubs was suspended three games this year. This year, three games, and it got reduced to two for intentionally throwing a baseball at Woodruff as retaliation. On what planet is that uh, um, a lesser offense than Garrett yelling at Rizzo? That's just ridiculous, and there's no explanation for that part of it. Sorry, was that too much? No, I was expecting I more. There's... <laughs> 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 anything to chime into that? Oh, there's just so much wrong with this, with, with what happened. Like, I mean, I, I think the whole, you know, Amir act is personally, I don't like it. I mean, he definitely should have done what he did. You know, yell at your bench. I mean, even if you are yelling at Tucker to help, you know, pump yourself up or whatever, you know the way it's going to be perceived. I mean, all you do is talk all off season on what you're going to do and how bad of a mofo you are and this and that. And then you struggle and then you delete your Twitter account. And then all of a sudden you get the second out of an inning and you're like, here we are. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Like Rizzo, I mean, as much as I dislike the guy, cause he's always putting himself in the middle of everything when it doesn't involve him. I mean, he looked at a mirror and said, oh, whatever. And, and went on back to the dugout, <laughs> you know, and then Baez jumps out. So now it's okay. You know, any other dust-ups that we have, it's okay for a player to jump over and and wave to the pitcher, come on, let's go, me and you right now. But as long as he doesn't go and touch him, then there's no suspensions. Like, where, like, exactly like what Nick said, where are you going to draw the line? Like, there's just there's so much wrong with, with with what happened because there wouldn't have been an incident unless Bias jumped over and decided to be right. part of the part of the fight. Yeah, because what was the Phillies Mets game Friday? There was like the bench clearing incident, and they got the pitcher got two games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and I mean the whole that was seven games is definitely like the fact that he's a repeat repeat offender and. Listen, you're going to miss more than seven games here if you keep doing this. Because he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to do that to pump himself up. Look at your team. Look at your dugout. Do whatever. Wait till it's the third out of a, you know, a bigger crowd where everybody can't hear what you're saying because we know that you have everything planned out that you're going to do. You know, there's everything seems to be like planned out. There's no like real raw emotion in my eyes. And from what I've seen with playing with players, and seeing him, the way that he's acting, it's it's not it's all premeditated. Talking about repeat offender just gave me like very bad flashbacks of Vontez Perfect. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, not that I'm comparing what he does to what Amir did by any means, because it's a totally different story. 
but just remember like hearing those like, oh, I suspended again. Okay. Kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I completely agree with you both. I think that, you know, we obviously have been talking all year about just like the ups and downs and unfairness of like the, you know, jer- the decision making of the suspensions and the Manfred era and you name, it, we've talked about it. And obviously I know I'm one of probably 40 million people who have tweeted, let's the kids play as utter bullshit. I'll stand by it. Um, but it hey, is. I guess, yeah, yeah, it totally is. Um, so let's go ahead and wrap it up here, guys. Um, you know, before we get out of here, anything you guys want to say, anything else you want to touch on? Well, the Brewers just lost, so let's let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate, um, yes. Um, looks like the Cardinals are going to lose. They're down six to one, and the Cubs are down three to two. So this could be a really nice night for the Reds. Um, off day tomorrow, and uh, let's hope this uh, hope this time next week we're we're talking about the Reds in a a really really good spot. Um, I like this team a lot. You know, I, I think this team is flawed. But I think every team in this division is very, very flawed. Yes. I think I think most teams in the National League are flawed, um, not just the the Central. Um, so yeah, I think the Reds are going to be in this thing all year. Um, um, and and uh, you know, I think when we get to that end of that thirty of thirty one, I think we'll we'll really kind of get a a little bit better of a sense. But I think it's going to be an up and down year. Jump on the roller coaster. Let's let's see what happens. Yeah, like you said, though. I mean, the Dodgers have lost 8 of 12. Talking about flawed teams. No, I'm still over here waiting for my Padres bats to start warming up. Tied with the Pirates. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Are you worried about Fernando Tatis, by the way, with his, like, 37 errors? No, not at all. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, it's definitely always a pleasure. I always appreciate it. I'm happy. So we got the three of us working on this together now. Oh, um, so if you are listening on Spotify, like we said, we do this on, live on Locker Room every week. Come hang out with us. Come talk with us. We'd love to have you. Um, even if you're, like, checking out Nick's YouTube channel, we definitely appreciate everything. And we're open to any feedback. So thank you all again. Have a good night. And go Red Legs. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube